What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to take a look at this week's preseason game against the Commanders on the defense in particular. Joining me to do that is Brandon Croxton. Brandon, how are you doing? Great, Ken. It's uh, always good to talk to you. A pleasure talking football always with you, too. Uh, Well, you know, the news, obviously, the big news is that the streak is over. Uh, It was obviously a much more important streak nationally than we knew based on everybody's national reaction to this preseason game last night. Right, exactly. It was was really funny uh, listening to uh, uh, Troy Aikman and uh, Buck talk about it and then going on to Twitter and um, Warren Sharp, who I think is a brilliant uh, NFL analyst, it was he, he had a funny emoji of, you know, somebody sitting on the edge of their seat at the end of the game, just uh, watching the game. So, yeah, it, 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 it was funny that it would, you know, it, you know, all this came to head on a national TV game like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was, uh, you know, to, to look at the Redskins, they had just won the Super Bowl to end that game. And they kind of better have won the Super Bowl because they played everybody in this game. They The Ravens sat 35 players for this game. The Ravens did. Mm-hmm. And the, the uh, commanders sat 12. So quite a commitment yeah. to winning this game. And they certainly running up and down the field like they they won big. Well, yeah, they they've been doing so much winning on uh, these this past couple of decades that I I can't I can't imagine this being that big of a win for them. But yeah, congratulations to Washington on 
you know, ending the streak. <laughs> All right. Well, they did contribute five games to the streak on the way, so that was kind of nice too. So uh, uh, it was their turn. Anyway, uh, Harbaugh made a good point and then a not such a good point after the game, basically blaming the media for saying these games were meaningless. I've never said that. I wouldn't spend all this time, you know, analyzing these games if I really thought that were true. Um, but uh, but anyway, I felt I, I don't feel I don't wouldn't think I don't think he should feel the need to reach out and slap the media around like that. Uh, but he did say also that that he was upset. He was not upset. He was what is it disappointed that the streak is over. But on the other hand, you know, they played very well all the way. And and uh, that was what he really wanted to see. Yeah, um, I, you know, Harbaugh is a competitor and he, he's trying to win whether he's got his first string, second or third string out there. And I, I really, you know, admire the the culture that he sets forth and, you know, being so competitive and trying to win, you know, at, at everything. And that just sets the tone for how the team plays during the season. And this is just part of it. He expects whether you're a starter or a backup, he expects you to play play well and compete every play. And you have to respect that mentality. Yeah, very much. And, uh, you know, this this was a difficult... When you look at, at what the Ravens were up against in trying to defeat the streak, sorry, continue the streak, first of all, they had to play a lot of the Washington ones, which no problem. Hey, you know, they, they're going to put that ones out there. That's fine. But their backup quarterback is Jacoby Brissett. And he came in the game in the third quarter. I'm like, this is incredible. This is a, about as good a backup quarterback as you can get in this league right now. And you know, your starter shouldn't be playing. Your number two should be playing to start the game. And so at this point in the game, you should have one of those guys that the Ravens have liked to pick on for, uh, for a lot of this time. And they did end up picking on Jacoby Brissett. He didn't do a damn thing for them. No. Yeah. He threw that interception. It was a terrible throw. Um, um and yeah, they, I think he led them to a field goal, but that was pretty much it. He, there was not a lot going on with Brissett in there. Yeah. It was a uh, very lopsided game in terms of the snap count. So the Ravens defense by the end, extremely tired with basically, since it's a weird situation because they had enough players, certainly that they didn't have to get people tired, but since they retire in stages, they are left with only a few players at the end of the game who have to play a whole bunch of snaps consecutively. And also some linemen who played, you know, way more snaps than you'd ever expect. You played college football. Do you remember what's the most snaps you ever played? Oh, I, w- I was back up my whole time. So I, okay. I got, tw- I, I guess about 20 snaps was uh, the most snaps I ever got in a game um, against Morehouse college. But, okay. um, yeah, that's I, I I did not get a lot of snaps okay. myself. So I I I never had the 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 difficulty of playing on a winded playing fifty snaps and being winded and tired in the end of a fourth quarter in college. That was that was not an issue for me. Okay, fair enough. Probably if you went back to high school, there'd have been more difficulty with you staying having to stay on yeah. the field. Were you a two way player in high school? Um, yes, uh, I played offense and defense, mo- mostly defense, but. Uh, okay. Some offense as well, though. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, uh, so let's see. What else do we need to talk about? The 81 to 49 snap count battle. That's about as bad as it ever gets. The Ravens, of course, during the Lamar Jackson era and during the Greg Roman era specifically, have been extremely good about winning snap count. And 
reducing snap count in general, but winning snap count usually because they're very they've been very efficient in terms of of generating first downs. To me, that was one of the big stories. The other component of that, the other related component, is just how weak the pass rush was for the entire game. And I think part of that was having to rush the passer for a number of consecutive plays. Right, exactly. Um, it was, I, I, I think, especially at the end, um, they, they, I don't, I, I think the the defensive line and probably Moon and um, I can't think of the other outside linebacker that was in there. It seemed like they were in there for the entire fourth quarter and just going snap after snap and just rushing. It just kind of wears you out and you know, by the end, you could see they were just, they were going three quarter speed almost just trying to, to get out there. And they just, you know, they just ran out of gas. Yeah. They only rotated through three defensive linemen also through most of the game after, let's see, beginning with the first drive of Q3 anyway, they, they played only uh, Bots, Caesar, and Nichols for the entire rest of the game. And that's three positions potentially you have to cover on some place, but it's two on most. And then you, uh, you know, those guys were in the game even before then. So they played a lot of snaps and they played a lot of snaps consecutively, uh, which was, uh, which was difficult for them. They, they didn't do much in terms of pass rush. Caesar got a quarterback hit and a, I think also, what was it? A quarterback hit and a pressure? No, pass defense. That's what it was. Uh, mm-hmm. So he looked okay. But the but the, yeah. the the pass rush in general, just incredibly weak. And that led to some oddball pass rush strategies down the stretch, which we do not normally see from the Ravens, certainly of the McDonald era. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've, I think several times they rushed five, uh, six and seven uh Going all out blitz it reminded me of the uh, <laughs> of uh, you know the Rex Ryan days and mm-hmm. um, and the Wink days. Just uh, you know they were they were sending everybody um, earlier early on in the game. They I, I don't think they really blitzed that much. They had a lot of simulated pressure where they brought a safety yep. or a linebacker and dropped somebody, but we're only rushing four. But yeah, at the end you could tell they were they were going after the quarterback you know trying trying to get any kind of pressure and force uh the quarterback into a mistake and fortunately that mistake never never really came mm-hmm. yeah they got they got one nice sack forced fumble out of um simpson but the ball got out of bounds on him and so they didn't have a chance yeah. to recover that but uh but yeah otherwise they also missed a couple sacks in this game which was very frustrating because the, the pass rush had some chances to get home but did Ardarius miss a second sack? Moon missed a sack. Yeah. Tavius Robinson Ardarius missed a sack. Yeah, yeah, Ardarius had you know he he had the corner and he he had him almost dead to rights and he he just slipped and mm-hmm. it, that allowed the quarterback to escape and yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. So frustrating. Going back to that last drive again because this was one of the things I had in my article today on the defense was looking at. Uh, what happened on that final drive? But I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the rushes by play. So the first play they rushed five, dropped zero with a blitz, and they got a quarterback hit. Second one four two pass rush, and that's what you're talking about with simulated pressure, where they line up six guys at the line of scrimmage, but two of them drop, 
And this is actually, it was more complex than that because they had a blitz from off the line of scrimmage, Welch and Moon dropped from the line of scrimmage, and they only ended up rushing four. Um, but the ball got out quickly on that play. Then a 6-0 pass rush where the commander still got ample time and space. That's not acceptable, by the way, to to, uh, to rush six and not not uh, get that. Then a 5-0 rush, another 4-2 rush, so big simulated pressure with a double drop. They got they, That's where they got the sack fumble minus nine by Simpson. Then they had a 4-3 pass rush. That's very exotic to have three guys drop off the line of scrimmage. Um, and But they did it on that play. Then they went to an 8-0 pass rush on 4th and 11. You don't see that very often oh, because the other team has fun. I'm sorry, say again? I said, holy moly. I, I didn't yeah. realize they rushed 8 that, game, that play. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, uh, there's more of that. <laughs> then they, the very <laughs> next play, after they gave up the DPI by Mayfield on 4th and 11, they rushed 7-0 on the next play. And um, they blitzed Lucian and... Even on that 7-0 play, they still got ample time and space. That's 6-0 is unacceptable, but 7-0, no way. I mean, and then a seven, a 6-1 pass rush uh, with bots dropping. So now you've 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 gone to the last refuge of a scoundrel trying to confuse the other team so much that you leave yourself with a lineman in coverage. Mm-hmm. Not exactly, you know, what, what you'd That's, want. Right, exactly. Unless, you, unless you're Calais Campbell to, dropping yeah. a... Dropping a lineman into coverage is you, – you, you really just want to shock the quarterback and to have him like, what the heck is that? And maybe maybe the rush can can get to you. But, yeah, the, yeah. the lineman's not going to do much for you. Tall tall defender generally, a James Urban – sorry, a Brent Urban, can he do something for you in um, – I know James Urban can't. He's kind of a short guy. But Brent Urban, uh, can he do something for you in a, as far as moving along the grain of the zone, say, if he moves laterally to the line right. of scrimmage? Yeah, he reading reading the eyes and maybe getting into a lane and getting mm-hmm. those hands up. He's he's tall and long enough. He could possibly tip a pass or, you know, mm-hmm. distract a receiver just long enough. But yeah, it, it, he's not going to do much more than that. Yeah, I would think that like a Hamilton with his size and he's large and very long arms that he does a very good job. Probably he's a more fearful presence to the quarterback anyway. But some of it's putting the fear in the quarterback and altering his throw to try and make sure that he gets it over that initial level of the defense. So if you're lined up reasonably well, then the quarterback sometimes will, will misfire. Right. Yep. All right. So anyway, I think we were down to the seven Oh, where they got ATS. It's not over yet. A six, one pass rush. The next one, Brats dropping. We did that one. Then a five, one pass rush with Tavius Robinson dropping. We haven't seen much of that, you know, hoping that Tavius Robinson would be a Sam linebacker. This isn't the place to test it out, but anyway, 5-1. Mm-hmm. Um, then at third and four, they did a 6-0 pass rush. Ball was out quickly anyway. Then they did an 8-0 pass rush with 26 seconds left. Ball was out quick. That was a ball that was eventually slapped free by Washington on the play. He got hurt. Mm-hmm. Another 8-0 pass rush on second and 10. Ball out quick and complete. Another 8-0 pass rush on third and 10. Ball out quick. Pass right for eight. Yeah, that set up the field goal, cut it from 57 to 49 yards. And uh, uh, I don't know about you. I was still excited to hope that field goal went wide. But uh, but that was a really extreme set of pass rushes to make up for a very, very tired defense on the field. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're really just trying because, I mean, commanders also threw the ball 50 times that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so – 
I'm, your your corners and safeties were probably very exhausted as well. Um, Ardarius, I think he he played pretty much the whole game. I think, um, and Caillou Blue Kelly, he he played much of the game, and mm-hmm. uh, same with uh, Mayfield and um, somebody else. Yeah, they, like Lucian they, and they at safety. Playing. Yeah, yeah, Lucian played. It's, I think pretty much the whole game. So, yeah, they had a lot. I'm sure they were all exhausted uh, by the end of that game, and they just they, they they did a good job of keeping everybody in front of them. But it, it's just tough to cover for so many plays and 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 like that. So it, it's just you just hope to force the quarterback into some kind of mistake, either either a sack or just a bad throw, and they yeah. just couldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like you really need to gamble on the ball. But you know what I really respected about McDonald about the entire drive was he really understood it wasn't just a matter of of um, the defense was tired. He really understood that you have to gamble to stop four down football, especially when you're defending field goal position, which is not very far, and yet it's like basically defending the forty yard line. Right, and it, that's just too damn easy to move you know, between the twenties and the NFL. Now you, you know, a lot of stops occur because the field starts to get small near the goal line in the red zone or whatnot. But, you know, if you're really trying to defend the 40 yard line um, it's very difficult and it's super difficult when the other team has four downs to work with. It's, that's just a much easier proposition. It's so important uh, on, you know, when you're on those last drives is to have a great pass rusher that can get a sack, force that fumble, I mean, or even just hit the quarterback to force an incompletion to, you know, potentially get uh, the offense off schedule. Because four, da- four down, especially in this day and age where you can't touch receivers, can't beat mm-hmm. them up on the line anymore, it's 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 so hard to defend four four passes like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, oh, two two completions of five yards, which is nothing, gets you a first down every time, and mm-hmm. so it could. Quarterback could literally go two for four for ten yards and keep moving the chains down the line. So right. yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot too easy, not just a little too easy. And um, anyway, one of those uh, uh, those things. The game got away on that. The game got away honestly. I thought on offense on two plays. Now they had a very very nice run for I think twenty four yards from Brown where he ran right. He's got to go down in bounds there. That would have run another 40 seconds off the clock, and it would have made the difference, I think, in this game. At least it would have put more pressure on for a different sort of a confrontation on the final drive. It would have changed it. The other thing is the very next play, right ran left, and I don't know if it was even that good a run, maybe four yards or something, but he gets pushed out of bounds too. And he was aware of it. He wanted to go down in bounds. He just couldn't do it. And it's like, you know, it's it's uh you got to find a way on both of those plays to get down in bounds and and you know, a minute and a half would have rolled off or they would have had to start calling their timeouts or something because that would have been a, a mess. The other thing was I thought that the first third down of the drive, there was still a chance that they would punt because they had all three of their timeouts. So that was a chance to try and play three down football against them still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think you know with with Brown, I think that's that's just 
something he's got to learn. He's a young quarterback, um, and same with the running backs. You know, they're young. They they get they got to learn to just get down. It's it's not worth an extra yard or two if if you get pushed out of bounds just to go down. And it's just situational awareness. You know, that's something that I'm sure that they've got talked to in the meetings today. Yeah. You know, it's something that I, I wonder if the, you can't give them any printed materials, but you could maybe give them something on an iPad or something where they couldn't, it would be hard for them to give away the information because you don't want anybody taking this information from organization to organization, but give them some information on situational awareness that may, makes players understand when it's a good idea to kneel and not score a touchdown. You know, other things like that. It's like learn this basic set of rules, but also by learning this set of rules, you're also cattle prodded to ask the question at any point in time where you think it might be a question. So you're up, you're up a point. Is it worth scoring a touchdown ever? Well, the answer is probably no. The answer is probably that if you can run out the clock, you'd much rather do that. And, you know, uh, you know, it's just a, a certain number of, you know, game situations that, that you could ask players to learn for themselves. Also the head coach or the uh, offensive coordinator, when they're calling in the plays, say, mm-hmm. if you get a first down, get down, you know, don't score a touchdown, you know, say something to remind the quarterback so the quarterback can yeah. remind the players. All you need is a safe word, right? Geronimo or whatever it might be is your safe word on nobody scores on this play. Right. You can call that right in the huddle and everybody should know what it means and hopefully not, not make a mistake. And the Ravens won a game uh, uh, at Chicago a couple of years ago because of that sort of a failure. The, the Chicago mm-hmm. receiver didn't go down where it would have been a kneel, kneel kick situation for the win. Just about mm-hmm. a sure thing for a, for, for a win at that point. Um, but instead scores a touchdown and the Ravens have a chance to come back and, and they, they did. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So one thing I always like to look at in the preseason is the order of deployment at various positions and what it tells us for this game. So this was an interesting one. I thought Um, position by position, we had, we had a a variety of interesting things. I'll start on the defensive line where the Ravens started Brent urban. He played only two series. They started um, Blackson and he played only part. I'm sorry. Urban played three series. Blackson also played three series. Angelo Blackson. And they had Nichols in there pretty much from the beginning. And they had Travis Jones in there for four series. But what do you think, what would you interpret that for Urban and Blackson? How would you interpret that? I know I've got my feeling about this, but. Yeah, um, I think, I think Urban's definitely going to be on the roster week one. Um, mm-hmm. They, they might do some, they, they they like to play the tricks where they release a player and then sign them, you, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a couple of days later. Yeah. To bring them back. Um, Blackson might also be, be in that situation as well. Um, I was kind of surprised that he wasn't playing more, especially considering it, it just didn't look like they were playing a lot of different defensive linemen that he would have kept mm-hmm. them in. So he he might be in the same situation where he gets released and then comes back, uh, yeah, a week or two later. I mean, I'm sorry, a couple of days later. Yeah, I I looked at it and I said, this really seems like 
both of them are going to make the team, not just one, but both of them are going to make the team. Because if you, if you really wanted to say Urban's ahead of Blackson, and I think that's been probably the truth in terms of their play, although neither of them has been bad. They've both been very clearly the fifth and sixth best defensive line on this team. So they deserve it from that standpoint. But if, if you were, you could easily favor one and, you know, they don't have any problem with the Simpson Sala thing now favoring Simpson over Sala. So why would you have a problem just letting Blackson and Urban know where they stand relative to each other and play Blackson, I would presume for the full first half, say, instead of the uh, only for three drives. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I was surprised he didn't play more. Um, mm-hmm. So and I, I really can't answer that. It's, Trade secrets, I guess, <laughs> for the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would agree with you. Both those guys probably likely handshake deals. And they're two of about four guys on the whole roster who are easy handshake deals. Uh, they've got other players that it would be maybe more difficult or maybe less likely to make the team or whatever. But those two guys are are fairly easy ones. Uh, all right. Uh, let's keep talking here. On the uh, outside linebacker, we saw a little bit of a job early on, only about 15 snaps. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Ajabo's actual play a little bit later, but um, any surprise, first of all, that he's in there for 15 snaps? Um, not really. Like um, he, he hasn't played a lot of football in, in the NFL level yet, and him uh, needing to just get reps against other teams and get reps against – and, you know, I think it was a, an advantage for him uh, that Washington played uh, their starters for so long is he got first team reps against uh, Washington there. So um, him being able to go against the starting caliber uh, tackles and get some reps is, is important. And I think it's good for his development. Inside linebacker, kind of an interesting development as we go along here. It seems like Delshawn Phillips, who's had an incredible heater at camp, just he's making play after play day after day at camp. A whole bunch of turnovers, a whole bunch of passes defensed and other things. I mean, he's he's around the ball all the time. Um, He started the game with Malik Harrison. So Ravens have a little bit of an unusual situation because Trenton Simpson just got his first play tonight. But those two guys getting an early exit, early retirement for the night, indicates to me that Delshawn and and, um, Malik, neither of whom was a guarantee to me, are both going to make the team. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think Malik is probably a definite, uh, you, you know, he's key special teams player also. Um, yeah, Delshawn not playing a lot is, again, an, another pretty big surprise. I wonder if maybe there's they're not playing him, so they're not showcasing him so that they can get him back on the practice squad uh, and and keep him on the practice squad and be an elevation here and there, or if he's going to make the team uh, right off, right off the bat is, is interesting, but like, yeah, like I think reports come like every, almost every other, every day, other, every other day he's making an interception or a forced fumble or, Mm -hmm. you know, a big play. And maybe just, want to hide that because you don't want to you you want to get them through to your practice squad 
yeah. might work. You know, it's it's uh, he's a fourth year player. So if you cut him, he goes through waivers. He doesn't he he isn't like a vested veteran who doesn't go through waivers. So he can't be first of all not a reasonable handshake candidate if you have to get him to clear waivers with with what he's done. If he's if he's a you know fifth or sixth, if you were a fifth year player, it actually might be a better situation for the Ravens, which is not very rarely true. But that this is one specific instance where it might be better if you were at a at a year of additional uh, tenure in the league here just for this reason. But uh, but he's got to go through waivers. So I, I something tells me with Malik and him, unless the Ravens trade a linebacker, or maybe especially if they trade a linebacker, both of them are making it. And I kind of am thinking if you look at this roster in terms of where the depth is, that the only place where they have enough of a surplus of talent to make a trade, maybe the offensive line, maybe inside linebacker. Potentially, yeah. Um, And and I guess uh, Patrick Queen would probably be the number one uh, potential trade uh, chip for, for them, for somebody you would guess that they would trade him for probably a cornerback. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so it, that'll be interesting to see. A, I, I don't know if you see that many player for player trades at the beginning of the season like that, but it there's also, there's always that possibility. And if they could get you know, a decent corner, that would, that would help help immensely. <laughs> so here, here would be my proposal along those lines is the, the, Eagles just had an unexpected retirement from Miles Jack. Mm-hmm. The Eagles are certifiably very deep at corner, including a rookie who I really liked in the draft who wasn't drafted until the fourth round, Kelly Ringo. And he's my number five overall cornerback on my list. And there was a little bit of health concern and whatnot. I'm forgetting exactly what it was, but but they're but number five on my list. Michael Crawford did that particular show with me. He also had him at exactly number five. So, you know, one of the one of the guys that a lot of people would really like. Uh, they have Eli Ricks. He went undrafted. Um, is it would it even be a possibility you could get both of those players in exchange for Patrick Queen? Because it seems like a fourth round draft pick for Patrick Queen would not be a stretch at all. I wouldn't think. Probably not. Probably not. And then if you're going to get a fourth round pick, why not get a fourth and an undrafted if the Eagles are so deep that Ricks is going to be somewhere landing on the practice squad anyway, potentially. Um, and both those guys for sure make the Ravens. And probably Ringo is a guy you take your chance, you roll the dice with in the first year, even if it, even if it doesn't work out, you take the chance developmentally. Yeah. How, how's Ringo been playing in the preseason so far? I mean, really I think exciting? he was pretty good against the Ravens. And we know that, that Ricks was really good against the Ravens. He had the pick six. So uh, I, I think both of them, Ricks looks like a back end cover three patient spider kind of quarterback likes to mm-hmm. likes to Marcus Peters. Like uh, Ringo is more physical uh, f- fast. Also, I think he's a four thirty five guy. So a lot of things to like there. And it could be the Eagles say, no, he's healthy. Now we know better. Now he's, we know he has that second round value or whatever. We, we would have placed on him if we thought the injury was a problem. We didn't think the injury was a problem. But you can't have them for Patrick Queen now. That's that's too much because that's one year of Queen for four years of Ringo is the is the way they're looking at it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, w- would the Ravens take it take a chance of 
uh, trading, you know, a, a pretty well-established veteran linebacker that they know kind of that they're getting, you know, above average to very good play for kind of an unknown rookie or would they be looking for maybe a more established corner that's a veteran, you know, two or three, maybe a modest contract, something like that from another team or. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Something like that as well. And and try but try and get it for cheaper, obviously, if they're if they're doing that, you're saying. So, you know, that's the guy. If you're trading Ben Cleveland, you might get this this other guy you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that's I think all options are on the table. They they certainly don't want to be wed to any particular corner. What I will say about the Ravens and trading Patrick Queen, or for that matter, really trading in, any inside linebacker, is it really reflexibilizes the defense to trade Patrick Queen because right now they've mm-hmm. they've locked themselves into this committed nickel situation, which I personally mm-hmm. don't like. Um, mm-hmm. It means you have a linebacker on the field on two linebackers on the field, always on third down. And that's always a concession to coverage to do that. Now, if you have two great linebackers, that's okay. But if, if you're not stuck with the situation, you really might be better off platooning there where you get really good coverage on passing downs and really good run defense on other downs. And they could do that with the players they have by moving any of their safety depth, frankly, into that dimeback role. Yeah. And probably using Malik Harrison as a weak side backer or moving Trenton Simpson in and giving him a chance earlier in his career than was expected. He might not be ready, but you know, it's a it's a it'd be another option, but it gives them a flexible set of solutions to their problems as opposed to Patrick Queen is going to be out there every single play. Sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say if you could get Kyle Hamilton into that dime roll somehow, yeah. I would, I would love, I'd love to see that, but yeah. They've got, uh, boy, they've got a lot of players who could fit the dime roll right now. Stone could do it. Although Stone, I think I was being more of a free safety. Uh, you know, Lucian could do it. Worley, I think could do it after mm-hmm. this game. So they've got, they've got quite a, a set of potential solutions there now. Uh, Stevens might be a guy who ends up at dime at some point in his career, although I think this year they need him at outside corner so badly they're they're not going to change that, which is probably what we should talk about next. Oh, no, no, wait. we got to talk more about inside linebackers. So you got three inside linebackers who came in and then split the time, and, and, and they had mix and match with all three of these combinations between Simpson, Welch, and Ross. And so every one of those three, com- the three possible combinations of those three were on the field at some point. And they had two inside linebackers on the field every single play of the game. Yeah. So if, if you're Ross or Welch, neither of whom is playing badly, 
how, how do you look at your situation here? The team has two inside linebackers who are starting and they're bubble wrapped. They have two other inside linebackers who are starting ahead of you played only the first two series and then retired. Then you have three linebackers who are getting equal shift shrift. And one of them is your third round draft pick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Welch and uh, Ross are playing for Ross's spot on another team. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's what they're looking for. I mean, you know, possibly also practice squad um, with us, but you know, they're, they're trying to showcase for other teams as well. Yeah. Now, so Welch is a fourth-year player. I think his chances to make the team were kind of remote to start with. But in terms of of um, Ross, he's a second-year player now, so he did the clock started ticking on him, I guess, with the injury last year. Uh, so uh, in any case, he's, he's, he's in the second year of four years of his, of his initial deal. So some of the sand has already run out of the hourglass. We'll talk about his play last night a little bit later, but uh, he's a guy that, I would think you really want to make a decision on this camp, whether he's your maybe your fifth inside linebacker and it's him versus Harrison or Phillips for the last spot with Simpson definitely making it and the big two definitely making it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you try and put him on the practice squad. It very well might not work because he has some good tape now between last preseason in particular and this preseason less so probably but uh, still something. Uh, there aren't a lot of claims league-wide on players. And I have kind of a theory about this, that the other teams, every team in the National Football League just lacks the scouting bandwidth to really look at every other team's every player. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, what is it? 90, 90 players on, on a roster and times 32 what is it's 2700 players that are you know playing playing right now and there's there's just no way so a lot of the players that that teams look at are guys that they're interested that they were interested in as either rookies you know like them coming out of college and like oh you know now we have a chance to sign him or now we you know he he passed on us as an undrafted but now we have a chance to pick them up. So that's, that's a lot of what's going on there. Yeah. They're, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going off what they had in, in scouting going into the draft. And, um, and you could maybe cut that because you know, there's a whole lot of players who you know are going to be on a roster and there's a bunch you probably think you're not going to get, or there's a bunch maybe that are, you're too low in the batting order to pick these guys that there's any real chance that you'd get them. You still want to put the claim in, but there's, you don't really think there's a lot of chance of getting them. So maybe it's only a thousand players. That's still an unbelievable amount of work to really yeah, make a decision a relative mm-hmm. to your own guys. Yeah. yeah. And that's why we get only, I think it's something like 12 to 16 kind of claims per season. So it's only about well, on cut down or the day after cut down day, I guess it is. So it's only, it's only a, a really a handful league wide, uh, maybe about half a player per team is, is lost during the cut process. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's move on to cornerback, where I thought it was fairly interesting. Stevens and Seymour, after playing pretty much three quarters of the game in the first week, now seem to be getting very much the starter treatment in the second week. So they got they left after two uh, drives, 
and they were out of there for the game. Uh, Seymour played quite well. Stevens played quite well in the first week, wasn't really targeted. I think they give up one 13-yard catch in this game, but wasn't really targeted much in this game. Uh, seems like the Ravens are ready to roll with these guys week one, if need be. Yeah, it's, it's looking like they, you know, they, they know that they're going to need both of them uh, week one with uh, Humphrey obviously out. And I guess we're going to see how far along Darby is. I mean, it's he's missed, you know, three quarters of camp. It's totally possible that he may or may not be fully recovered and fully ready to go week one. So he, he was on yeah. the field for 11 on 11s on the 18th when I was last there. So okay. I, he's, he's out there playing. Um, he was wearing 33 that day, which was kind of weird because he and Swan were both listed as 33 on the roster. And Swan, I think, was released maybe right after the roster was created. Uh, oh. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, anyway, it is yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but yeah, I mean, even, you know, looking at, looking at the depth, especially at outside corner, um, I mean, they're, they're really the next ones up uh, if – you know, assuming Rocky Sin is back and, and he's healthy and he's ready to go, um, it, it's going to be him and Darby. And if one of them goes down, it's going to be Stevens and Seymour that are first up. So, yeah. yeah. So they're the fourth and fifth outside corners, we hope, on opening day. And Darby, we assume, is going to play on the outside and not in the slot. Darby had a little bit of slot play. He actually took uh, Kyle Fuller's spot when he got benched at Denver the last time he played two years ago. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, but anyway, I, I, I would presume, I think, as you're pointing out that, that Darby is likely to play on the outside he's kind of a tweener in terms of size by today's standards at five eleven, kind of not quite tall enough to play on the outside by today's standards. Five eleven was plenty tall enough to play for a lot of years in the national football league, but right. uh, it's a little bit smallish right now with all the guys that are six feet and up and, uh, a, uh, a little big for the slot still at 511. You have a lot of smaller guys that play there and change of direction is at such a premium. Mm-hmm. Based on what we've seen, do you think our Darius Washington starts the season in the slot or would you bet on Hamilton moving up or some other thing happening? The way our Darius played yesterday, I I think you you I feel confident that giving him that opportunity to at least start there. And um you you've been trying to move Kyle to, you know, the safety role and let him star and shine there. It's do your best to try to keep him out there and let our Darius just, uh, you know, get the start. And if, if, if it's, if he's just overmatched, then you, then you make the adjustment, but give him, give him that, at least that initial opportunity because he, you know, he, he really played well yesterday. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board totally with that as the, as the plan to start with. It just seems like, Every single move on the chessboard or every single piece of news drives Kyle Hamilton, like the gravitational pull on slot corner on Kyle Hamilton is very high right now. It's just, you know, they, 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 they really do. They free up, you know, more talent to be played at safety where talent is going to kind of get wasted by the fact that the Ravens are a committed nickel team to play on the back end. You have this incredible game from Worley in week one. You have a, a, a good game, I thought, from Lucien, but also a pretty good game from uh, Houston Carson in week two, who's a who's a longtime vet. Now, he does not necessarily place on the team for Houston Carson, but there could be potentially. And, and uh, you know, you, you've got other guys who can fill out safety. Obviously, we, we, we talked about Geno Stone 
Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a Geno Stone at strong safety to play, you know, a split in a cover two. I think he's more suited to free safety, but I love having two free safeties on the field. I don't mind that. What I don't want to have is two mm-hmm. strong safeties on the field. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, after, after those guys at corner, then we got a long look at Caillou Kelly, who only got 17 snaps in that first game. And we got a long look at Corey Mayfield, uh, who we're going to talk mm-hmm. about it, but he had a tough day. And um, both of, yeah, both of them did. Yeah. yeah. And the guy who came in in the second half, Tay Hayes, actually probably outshined both of them pretty, pretty significantly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He had, he, he had that interception and um, he was out there and, he played pretty well. Like mm-hmm. uh, they didn't, they didn't target him that much. Um, and he was tough in coverage and, you know, had, had an interception and, and a really impressive interception diving, diving like that is not an easy catch. So to be able to make that catch is, you know, it, it was a really nice play. Yeah. It, they, they threw it to Hayes twice during the game interception. And he took the guy down for a loss of one. Those are the two times they targeted in the game. That's a that's a hella game when the other team is throwing the ball 55 times. And mm-hmm. I think it was 28 in the second half. And he avoids targets. Now I I, you know, it's fairly obvious what the Redskins, the Redskins, the commanders were trying to do in that second half. But still, there ought to be a swear jar or something I have to <laughs> put into for the number <laughs> of times I've done that. Um anyway, um, Let's move on to safety, talk a little bit about that. So Worley played the entire game the previous week. Had all those big plays. High leverage. The star star of preseason last week. And he he, he wasn't out there. He he, he didn't play a single snap, did he? No, he he played the first three drives he played, and then he got pulled. Okay. So uh, I I didn't see him out there. Yeah. yeah. But okay. Yeah. But it still seemed like, you know, if it was an unusual situation, but they did have a new guy in house. So uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, I have to get those always in the correct word. The DeAndre, DeAndre, I'm always sure about. It's the Houston Carson one that I sometimes mess up and get get reversed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he's the one who recovered the fumble. He played the back end, did have some issues that we'll, we'll talk a little bit about in the individual notes. But uh, he was a guy and he's an eight year veteran. So. If you want the most Worley-esque player out there at the end of the game, it's him, by the way, because Worley, you know, also an eighth-year veteran, was like playing with a bunch of seventh graders last week in that that mm-hmm. final drive and getting a, his chances to exactly read read the mind of probably the quarter the opposing quarterback at that point. It was Book, right? Book was the last guy on the field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, anyway, the guy who came in with. Houston Carson, when he came in, was Jeremy Lucian. And he played the rest of the game on the back end with him. Uh, had the pleasure to talk to, Jer- to Jeremy Lucian today. Now, I've just posted the interview on this right before we recorded the show. So by the time you listen to this, you'll have a chance to go back and download that Jeremy Lucian interview. It's a very interesting profile. Guy, mechanical engineer, first of all, uh, very sharp. Uh, tremendous entrepreneurial spirit, very well grounded in terms of what's going on. 
And he seems to be appropriately cheap for a rookie in the National Football League, I'll call him. And, and it, I mean that in a very good way, appropriately frugal. Let's use the, you know, the, up, the upscale term for that. He uh, eats all of his meals at the castle, uh, doesn't want to get wrapped up with a roommate because of two things. One is he's got, he can stay in the hotel for some longer period, the team hotel, before they kick him out. <laughs> so we won't have to get an apartment for, for a little while for that. So his exact words are, I need to milk this hotel thing a little longer. <laughs> so I love that. And then the other, the other thing he said was that, uh, aside from eating all his meals at the castle, was that he, he, he doesn't want to have a roommate because of the possibility of getting tied up in one of them getting caught and not being around, the potential for non-payment of rent, and this and that. Just very well grounded in terms yeah. of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, sounds like I, a good conversation. Yeah, it's, it, it was a good conversation. Definitely worth listening to because yeah. he's really talks through the UDFA experience. I hope people give that a, a try a little bit about you know how the phone calls go and and what his strategy was going into these phone calls and things like that. You'll it, it's uh, it's interesting interesting stuff. Yeah. So anyway, Lucian uh, uh, went in there. And I thought he played pretty well as well. Was gave the Ravens another option at safety. Does he end up on the practice squad? with what the Ravens have in terms of safety depth? It's possible. Um, yeah, yeah, I think maybe a, a, it's a long shot for him to make the, the 53, but I, you know, so he certainly, you know, he showed, he showed a little something. He had a nice uh, pass breakup in the fourth quarter, and um, yeah, I think he led the team in tackles as well. So yeah, those are some positives, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, like – Practice squad is, you know, where his most la likely landing spot. It's probably not the the fifty three. So, so give me give me your handicapping the situation. Poss probability of being on the fifty three, probability of the practice squad, probability of cut and not offered a practice squad spot. I'm going to write down my numbers right now because I I, I want to remember this while I do this. Okay. Uh, that's too bad. Okay, I've got mine. Okay. I think there's a, um, I think these are all mutually exclusive and universal, right? I mean, they cover the entire universe of possibilities. So they should, they should sum to one. <laughs> okay, so what's your probability okay. for the three of us? Okay, so I have. 3% of him making the actual 53-man roster. Okay. I I have 38% of him making the practice squad, and then the other 59% of him being outright released. Outright released. Okay. I, I think his chances are much better than that because of, of, well, what I've heard on this interview in part, but also what I've seen in play from two times. I'd say... 15% chance to make the squad. And the reason I think it's that high is that there's still some injury risk to happen for the Ravens and it won't be to their top players, but it doesn't have to be to their top players. They already got kind of nobody at slot corner. If Hamilton goes to slot corner, then all of a sudden you probably want four safeties in addition to Hamilton. And Lucian is looking a lot better in terms of where he might be. So that's, that would be his major possibility of getting on the roster. And we don't know how serious the injury to Washington is right now. Uh, he left the game after after that pass breakup on the yeah. third to last play of the game, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. They 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 said it. Uh, he just got the wind knocked out of him. Thank so goodness. Hopefully, Oof. yeah. Hopefully, it's nothing. Yeah, it was nothing else. But yeah, that's what they said. 
Okay, very good. And is that a Harbaugh quote? I, I think it was Harbaugh, but Damn. I'm not sure. Yeah, because usually it's nobody else will speak to injuries, but I wish it were somebody more credible than that in terms of, <laughs> of him telling me it was okay. So anyway, yeah, yeah. so I said, I said his practice squad shot, I'm, I would say 75% because I think the Ravens are going to probably go heavy at DB with what they have. And I think there's about a 10% chance for a, for an outright release. So we have a very different, very different feeling on this, but that's all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, fair enough. So that takes, that that takes us through most of the players uh, in Mm -hmm. terms of what's going on. Uh, We, this is not really a shock, but given that you're going to bring out the eight man pass rush, what is it? Four or five times. However, they do that in a seven man pass rush. In addition to that, wouldn't you think you'd be willing to also change your packages at the end of the game? So you got totally tired out front seven. Could somebody else come back in the game, a Warley maybe at the end of the game who could really help you? Um, maybe not because he probably took a shell off at halftime, right? And then I'm, I'm guessing most if once they remove players, they they are probably you don't want to put them back in because yeah. they're a little bit checked out mentally as well so yeah yeah, yeah. it's it, i i'm i'm sure that plays into it of course it's a preseason game and and uh uh you know anyway if if you really if it was really the most meaningful game of all you would also and i'm not saying it's meaningless but if it was the most meaningful you you do things other than just varying your pass rush with the same players you know effectually just stirring the same drink around um and uh, change your actual packages that you put in the game. Change your actual players that you put in the game towards the end. And obviously, they didn't. They didn't really want to do that. They wanted to yeah. stick with. I'll, I'll, I'll just say I'll, I'll give Harbaugh some credit for staying disciplined. They, they probably went into a plan for this preseason that this is what they're going to do. That you know, this, this is how many plays every player is going to play, and you know, they, they didn't deviate to try to you know get this one stop on, on the last drive. So I'll, I'll give them some credit for that, but yeah, like I, I think there's certainly in a more meaningful game that they're changing things up than what they were doing with the last second there. Well, that is one of the cool things is we're going to look at McDonald's defense in the week one. And I don't know exactly what we're going to get, but we're going to get some surprise because almost every year there is some surprise in terms of a new combination of players that we see that we don't really ever see otherwise. And so I've got some ideas on, on things they might do, but all they played is base and nickel so far in two games. That is all they have played, you know, two inside linebackers on the field, every single play so far. I think they might have had one play without two inside linebackers, two outside linebackers, sorry, on the field this last week, or maybe it was just a, a categorization of a player that was different. But I added up all the snaps for outside linebacker, and it was like one off from exactly two per play. So it was a it was, it was surprising to me. So I'm not sure what the what it might be, but uh, but it might have been they had a, a defensive lineman playing the edge on on some play. Yeah, that's that sounds probably what happened. Yeah. Uh, okay. The other thing I want to talk about in this game and, and something that seems to be a bugaboo for the Ravens is they're missing a lot of tackles, an awful lot of tackles. And they missed 15 more in this game by the PFF count. Now, one thing I always like to say about missed tackles is they can be defined very differently because you, 
you know, if you just miss an ankle tackle where you had to dive to make it, is that a missed tackle? Well, here's what I would say. I'm not going to get too much into the definition of what a missed tackle is. I'm going to say I'm going to let PFF do the defining for us because I trust them to use a uniform definition from week to week. And the Ravens have missed 17.4% of their tackles this preseason, which ain't going to cut it. That, that wouldn't be good for any positional group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, 12.5% for the whole year. So maybe, maybe that doesn't even seem like it's as bad as it really is, because I think a lot of it's occurring in the secondary. Uh, I know Worley has a bunch of missed tackles and Carson, uh, Houston Carson had some this week. Uh, so it's, it's been a variety of, of, uh, of uh, different players, but there's probably been an overweight to the secondary in terms of where these are occurring. Yeah, um, I I think part of it, uh, you see a lot of missed tackles on on a lot of the running plays. Um, okay. Linebackers just aren't filling the holes as much, and that's making it harder for defensive backs to bring them down. And defensive line, aside from Jones, hasn't been you know, as dominant as we're used to seeing with the Ravens. So, you know, it, it it's all a combination. Um, I'm not too worried about it as, as long as none of these players are going to be playing significant snaps uh, during the season. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is something to, it is something to look at. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, a good point that, Hey, if, if, if you're if it's your twos and threes that are missing tackles, maybe you don't worry about it as much. Um, it's it's it is mostly that uh, Rashad uh, Nichols had kind of a, a bad game in terms of missed tackles on the defensive line. That's very unusual for defensive linemen miss a lot fewer tackles um, for whatever reason. They're they're bigger, they're stronger, they tend to hold on to things and take them down. I bet that was always your way of doing business, right? <laughs> Back in the day, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's, uh, I, I'm not yet worried about the missed tackle, but if they have a situation like the Ravens did a few years ago, where they're just missing tackles willy nilly in the secondary, um, it'll, it'll be, it'll be something they have to try and fix. And it might be, have be something they have to fix in terms of personnel as well. Um, the, the one guy who's had the biggest missed tackle problems is going to be playing every snap and he's, um, uh, probably will have less playing with Roquan. Uh, and he had a few less before even Roquan showed up last year. So don't want to bash him too much on this, but he's got a bad career missed tackle rate that's up towards the the overall rate of missed tackles the Ravens have had this preseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you also think about it in, in the team defense aspect, like these players haven't been playing a lot with, the, with, with each other very much. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're playing team defense, you know, one player's causing an angle, which directs, a, you know, the runner to a, to a different place and, another, and that, and another, uh, you know, either linebacker or def- defensive, ta- def- uh, defensive back comes in, you know, makes that tackle or, you know, cleans it up. So there's a lot of team aspect in tackling and getting a defender down, but, you know, a lot of times with second and third team players that are being mixed and matched constantly, they, they, they're more 11 individuals out there playing than as one cohesive unit. And that can okay. contribute to the, to it do, as well. 
the things you said, I want to, I want to dig into that a little bit because it's a very interesting comment. And first of all, I agree with you entirely that if you understand how your teammate is going to play leverage on a particular play, it gives you a better chance to be in the right position to as second man to the carrier to, to make that tackle. So I, I agree with that entirely. I think that's a, that's a very good point. I kind of wondered if where you were starting, it sounded like my kind of regular comment that, that there are missed tackles and there are missed tackles. And if you retrack the running back and turn him 90 degrees from going straight north and south to going east and west, all of a sudden that has real value. That's, 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 that's a the, good missed tackle. Yeah, that's yeah, a good missed tackle. Even if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, in fact, some of the missed tackles on the sacks have not not this week, but in previous weeks have, have been really good missed tackles. For instance, Worley last week, I think he missed a sack minus five and then he chased the guy on the quarterback for a sack minus 21. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hard to get too upset about that particular one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. All right. Yep. It's it is. You know what? It's it's worthy of a study of its own sort where missed tackles were sorted into different categories. And there is somebody who I meant to talk to who has already done this. And I it, it, I think he did it for either, a, I forget if it's a high school or a, or a not division one college program, but whichever it is, it'd still be an in, a very interesting topic to just go through his information in terms of, you know, what does it mean when, when you know, A and B and C happen in terms of, of, uh, of categorizing tackles. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Brandon, always a pleasure to talk football with you. We're going to come back and, and uh, talk part two and we'll get into the individual players uh, when we come right back. Uh, tell folks in the meantime, though, where can they talk football with you online? Sure. I'm uh, on Twitter at uh, Brandon Croxton five and yeah, love to talk Ravens. So hit me up. All right. Outstanding. And just I, I, I met Brandon by doing a film study short, I believe, originally. And He's probably been on what at least half a dozen times by now, right? Maybe more than that. But anyway, yeah, something yeah, right around there. Yeah, re- mm-hmm. regular guy returning. He'll do, I'm sure, a game or two this year. And uh, uh, I want to meet you if you're out there. So hit me up with a DM on Twitter if you have a film study short idea. I'll try and get back to you right away. We'll have a discussion about it and see if there's an episode that we can have a, a nice little back and forth about some topic of interest, a thought experiment, whatever it might be, a GM. Um, perspective on things of of value perspective it could be a technical issue could be a lot of things but give me your idea and we'll uh and we'll talk through it so brandon really appreciate having you on great yeah it's always great to be here and we'll talk to you next time on film study Okay, I'll I will post this break in here and then we'll start again. Do you need a trip to the bathroom or anything? Because I I kind of could use one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I'll be back in like two, three minutes. Sounds good. Bye bye. Okay.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.